Well, happy Father's Day. Yeah, very good. Whose idea was it to show that video? My goodness. It's like, man, don't you? I got to talk after this video. What are we doing here? That's right. Well, it is, it is Father's Day. Glad that you're here. And uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Jason, and I do get the privilege of being pastor here. And so, um, yeah, if I haven't met you, I just I would love for you. You're never inconveniencing me, by the way. So, so make sure if you see me and just uh, come, and, come and introduce yourself. And I try to go out of my way. If I see somebody I don't know, I try to, I got like that laser radar thing. I see you and I, I go after you. It's like, I want to know who you are. So yeah, feel free to, to come back and see me after service. But um, hey, this, uh, we're in this Summer Essential series. And this series is really, the whole idea behind it is, uh, you know, summer gets busy. We're pulled in all kinds of different directions, but wherever we're going, we can, uh, we can always bring the essentials with us, the essentials of our faith, and, and the, the, yeah, we can, just, we can take that with us wherever we go. And so we're just hit, we're hitting up some, uh, some topics that I think for a lot of us, especially if you're a follower of Jesus or been around church for a period of time, we take for granted. So we talked about, we talked about worship, and we talked about faith last week. And, and uh, this week, actually over these next three Sundays, it it turned out it's kind of like a series inside of a series. And I wish I could say I just planned it out just right. Like, oh, man, I, I really saw this coming. But I didn't. We had, this, we had these messages written out weeks ago, a couple months ago. And, um, and then as I got to looking at it, I just thought, man, this is kind of a Holy Spirit moment over these next three weeks. In which, ironically enough, because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're talking about today. And as we're talking about what it means to live a spirit-filled life today, the next week we're going to talk about the gifts of the spirit. And then on 4th of July weekend, we're talking about freedom. And all three of those things are deeply connected. And so I'm really excited about these, about these next few weeks. And so, um, yeah, that's what we're talking about today, how to live a spirit-filled life. What, what, does that, what does that mean? Now, when I look around and I look at a, a crowd like this and I see, I see you coming, you, you carve time out of your weekend to come to church and that, that tells me a few things. That, that tells me, one, at the very least, you're searching. Like at, at the very least, you, you've, you've come into this, a place like this because you have this, this sense that says, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And, and if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you're going, maybe there's more about this whole God thing. I'm trying to figure this out. Like, maybe there's got to be something. So at the very least, you're at least curious. You're at least interested, and that's, what, that's about the only reason I could think of that you would want to show up to church on a Sunday morning and get up like that. And then there's, there's the rest of us, too. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus, and you're just like, there's more for me as a parent. There's more for me as a father, as a mom. You know, there, I feel like there's more for my future, my relationships, my friendships. Not, not least of which, there's more for my relationship with God. Like, I got so much more to learn, so much more molding to be, to be had in my life. I think for a lot of us, when we think about, we have this desire to grow, and we think about our relationship with God, but we have to understand that a desire to grow in a relationship with God has to include a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It has to include Him. Now, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's, that, he's that person of the Trinity that is usually kind of sitting in the corner and uh, has been neglected for a while. That's usually the Holy Spirit in most circles. You know, most, a lot of people, they go, you know, God the Father, you know what? I, I get that. Like, I get that. There's a God over everything. He's my creator, God the Father. I can get on board with that. And we go, oh, there's God the Son. You know, I love Jesus, love his teaching. You know, very, oh, I can relate to that. It applies to my life. And then we go, and then there's God the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people go, uh, what am I supposed to do with him? 
That's usually the kind of the feeling I, that I find a lot of people have, feelings people have when they think about the Holy Spirit. And now there's all kinds of extremes out there with the Holy Spirit. All kinds of extremes. You know, you got that, you got that group of people that they just find a way. No matter what the conversation is, they find a way to work in the Holy Spirit into every conversation. He's a part of everything. And it's like, and if you're not talking about, you're talking about football, it don't matter. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit by the, by the time this is over. And, and then we have these, all these associations, right? We've seen it. We've seen it in churches. Like it just goes crazy. And we're just like, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know about that. And so we go, well, that's weird. That's what, we, that's what we determine. That's the conclusion we come to. Oh, the Holy Spirit must be weird. And so then we get to the other boat. We go to the other ditch. And we go, you know what? Let's just not bring him up. Okay, I don't, I don't really know. I saw that guy running in circles. No, thank you. Like, let's go to this side over here, and we're never going to talk about him. So we run, into, we run into these extremes and these ditches. And this is what I would say to you when it comes to understanding the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because it's important. As a follower of Christ, it's really important that you understand this. And I would encourage you, let's not go to another, let's not go, go to another book. Let's not go to, just run to our favorite preacher. No, let's go to the place we should always start from, and that's the Word of God. That's the place that we should start from. This is Luke 4, verse 18. Jesus, he's just beginning his earthly ministry. Just, he's just starting it. And he walks into a synagogue, and he opens a scroll of Isaiah. And this is what he says. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. He's, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was upon him. This is what you need to know about Jesus. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Like he was, he was a Spirit-filled being. Spirit-filled Jesus. That's who he was. And he makes this declaration right at the beginning, just so you know. He's living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is Romans 8. We're going to go through verses 1 through 4 here. Romans, Romans chapter 8. So I think, I think we got to understand, okay, if Jesus is filled with the Spirit, what is it that Jesus said about that? Like his ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit, what's that look? Because it has, has real deep implications for our life if we're going to follow Jesus as well. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Now I love this. Who doesn't? Now, now right now. Like not in the future. Not when you get your act cleaned up. Not not when you start making better decisions. It's like, oh, you know, start reading that Bible a little bit more. Pray before you go to work. It's like, then there will be, no, 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 no. He's saying, right now. Now, this, this portion of Scripture is one of the most widely quoted Scriptures out there. People love it for good reason. No condemnation. The problem, a lot of people like to put a period right at the end of that right there. There is now no condemnation. And they forget there's no period there. It says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he says this, for the law of the spirit of life. Now, I, let's stop right there with that word law. See, I think some of us, especially depending on your, maybe your church background, you're like, I don't really like that word. Law. I'm not, I'm not sure I like that that much. And I, and I get that. Have you ever noticed, especially if you had with, with your kids, it's like you, you lay down rules, you lay down, you lay down mandates, and then they, they break them, and then you just throw scripture at them, and it's like, this is not sticking. Like, this is not working. What is going on here? And, it, and here, here's why. Because rules and law without the Spirit of God, without the Spirit of grace and the, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit are seen as handcuffs. 
And so when you don't, when you're not powered by the Holy Spirit and you're not, you don't have the, the spirit grace in your life, you'll see law and mandate as handcuffs and you'll convince yourself, I got to break free from that. And you'll call it freedom. But really you're just in rebellion. And that's what we have a whole culture of breaking free and rebellion, calling it freedom. But when you have the law of the spirit, law of the spirit of life, you know, this is the pathway to real freedom. It's not a handcuff. It's a pathway to real life. Now, I know we don't really like the word law a lot of times, but the truth is, is that we live in a culture of law. You know, I, I know I've heard it from a lot of people. It's like, I don't want to go to church because, because it's just all these rules you got to follow and there are all these do's and, these, and do's and don'ts. And, and unfortunately, you know, they haven't really been introduced to the real Jesus yet. But uh, the truth is, is that we live in a culture of law. We live in a culture of law. Imagine this. Go on social media today. And, and go ahead and make a statement about you know, some of your deeply held biblical values and see what happens, right? The, the all-knowing demigods of social media will come down and decide you're no longer allowed to post here, right? It's, the, it's a culture of law. It's all these unspoken rules. And, they, and it, by the way, don't deviate from it either because Lord knows there's condemnation, judgment, and if they can help it, there's punishment along the way, along the way as well. It's a culture of law. You can't go on to a school or a university and say whatever you want today. You can't do that anymore. There's consequences, like serious consequences. The irony of law is anytime you have law, you always got people that are eager to enforce the law. Now, I got, I got four kids now. And uh, if you're a parent, and parents, raise your hand, parents in the room. Yeah, there we go. You're, you lay down a law, you lay down a mandate with your kids. You're like, this is the way it's going to be. They all run off. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you bet. They run. You always got that one kid who's very eager to enforce all the laws. He's going to let you know brother and sister are not lining up here right now, right? Culture is no different. There's all these unspoken laws and rules and cultural values. And boy, and there's always that group of people that go, you know what? I have taken it upon myself to enforce these values. It's a culture of law. But see, Jesus comes along and he lays out two different pathways for us. He says, see, there's the, this law of the spirit of life has set you free, free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And you have these two paths. You can either follow path one, which is this living under the law that leads to failure and condemnation, or you can live under the law of the spirit. You can live according to the Holy Spirit in your life that leads to Jesus. It leads to freedom. These are these two paths that you can walk out in your life. Goes on in verse three. It says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is you. You don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. According to the spirit. This is a lot of words. Let Let me sum this up for you. Jesus came along. And he came into this world, he came into a real body as a real human being without this sin nature. He was perfect and he lived, he he fulfilled the law full of the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life where he fulfills the law on your behalf, on my behalf. And now for those of us that are followers of Jesus, Paul is saying in this verse, he's saying, if you're following Jesus, you're now in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then now Jesus's life can be lived out through you. This is what he's telling us. You know, Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. And of those 13 letters, 
He uses this phrase, in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved. He uses that 216 times over 13 letters. Paul's trying to drill something into us in this moment. He's saying, in Christ. Like, there's something to this idea that when you're in Christ, it means this. It means positionally, when God looks down as a follower of Christ and He sees you, He sees you in Christ. He sees Jesus. Practically, practically what that means is that Christ is in us and he's lived out of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what that means, to be in Christ. Now, a few more things on our culture. We do kind of have a, it's, it's a pretty upside down culture. And that, there's so much joy in this scripture out of Romans. There's now no, no condemnation. And I love that. And that should encourage you. That should encourage all of you. The, the irony of the culture we live in today is that there's a lot of people that feel no condemnation. <laughs> in fact, if, if, you're, if you're not a Christian, no condemnation. But if you are a Christian, it seems like you got to walk around with this sort of some condemnation. It's like if you're a Christian and you bring your value, bring, you bring Christ into your workplace, you bring it into wherever you're at, it's like you better lead with an apology. Like you, you better lead with that way. Right? There's this like, there's this spirit of exclusivity and this sort of idea of condemnation that sort of follows around Christians today. And that's unfortunate because it's upside down. And honestly, that's what scripture warns against in Isaiah. He says, whoa, like, whoa, woe to those who would call evil good and good evil. But it shouldn't surprise us either. It, it shouldn't, it shouldn't catch you off guard. Like there's a, there's a reason why that is. And, and scripture tells us why it's upside down like that in culture. Why, why do believers and Christians feel condemned in our world today? Well, Revelation 12, 10 through 11 gives us some insight as to why this is. It says, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. And so it's telling this story of the accuser, Satan. He's come and he's made these accusations and God has cast him down and he calls him the accuser. And it says he, he who accuses them, that's, that's you and me if you're a follower of Jesus, before our God day and night. And they overcame them, overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. This is why there's condemnation. Because there is an enemy who's continually accusing you day and night, day and night. Now, there's something interesting here because the, the irony of or what's fascinating about condemnation is that it doesn't have to be true. It just has to be believed in order to destroy you. It doesn't have to be true. You see this play out in culture all the time. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be true. The, just the accusation is oftentimes as bad or worse than the actual offense. Again, condemnation doesn't have to be real. It just has to be believed. Now, I think, I think there's a, I think this condemnation issue, and I'm kind of drilling down on that today because I think, I think it's a real issue, especially on a Father's Day. And I think about men leading, and I think about fathers leading their children, and husbands leading their wives, and I just, I just think about that, and I think condemnation is a huge factor. I think that's a big part of it. And I think there's, there's three areas I, I, I believe where we receive condemnation. The first one is we get it from ourselves. Like we condemn ourselves. Like we're really aware of all of our shortcomings. We're aware of all of our flaws. And I think sometimes, especially as a dad, maybe as a husband, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lead my wife in prayer, but my wife is very aware of all the times I've got it wrong in my life. And so it feels a little bit uncomfortable. 
Or, you know, it's like, well, I haven't been doing it, and so it's a lot easier to just to continue not doing certain things than it is to start doing these things. See, we, we're very aware of the brokenness that we have in our life. Some of it goes back decades, and we're the only ones that know about it, but we're allowing it to hold us back. And see, we go, yeah, I know, I believe God, and I believe that He forgives me, but I just can't forgive myself. That's what we're saying. And in that moment, what we're doing is we're going, God, I know you're supreme. And I know you're my God, and I know you're my creator, but my opinion of myself is going to trump yours in this situation. That's what we're saying in that moment. That's not good. And here's what I would say to you. If that's you, if that's you, you're just, you, you beat yourself up, and you, you got this, like, spirit of, of you know, you, you think it's humility. You, you, you think it's holy, but it's not. It's haughty. It's pride. And I would say this to you. You need to accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ into your life. You need to accept that level of forgiveness. God sees you that way. You need to receive that into your life. You need to become more aware of Jesus' sacrifice, his triumphs, his victories in your life. You need to become more aware of that and less aware of your own sin and your brokenness. You need to, be, you need to have Christ on the forefront of your mind, not you on the forefront of your mind. Is that, is that resonating a little bit? Yeah, very good. Here's the next one. I heard a preacher say this recently. I loved it, so I copied it. I was like, that's fantastic. Okay. He says, it's the archaeologist. Another source of condemnation in our life. The archaeologist. It's that person that likes to dig up all that stuff from the past. All right? It could be that friend. It's that friend in your life that used to party with you, and they're just like, man, you were so much fun, you know, before you knew Jesus. Now you're doing the whole Jesus thing. And they like to tell you, like, oh, that's the real you. And you're like, man, no, 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 I'm following Jesus. You know, the old things have passed away. All things are new. Like, right, I'm, I got this new life. Could be people in your family. Family, they just, they just know all the dirt on, on us, right? Sometimes we got those family members. They just like to pull the dirt out every now and then. See, for my family, they like to remind me that I'm a terrible driver. That's what that, Jason, remember? Remember this time and that time you're a terrible driver. Yeah, don't drive with Jason. And I'm just like, that's 20 plus years ago. That was over 20 years ago. Like, are we still bringing this up? Like, come on. What is that? It's that archaeologist. Here they come. They know it. They know it. Now, none of you, you would never do this, but you think married couples do this to each other? Nah, not you, but the first service people. They're very guilty in that service. Okay. Yeah, why, why do we do this? We, if, by the way, if you've been married for more than a day, you got dirt. Like, there's stuff to pull up. You've been married for a day, you got it. And then, well, what do we, why do we do that? Why do we do that? We do that because for control, we do that to win arguments. I, this, is, this is why we do that. We're just like, we're grasping for anything. Some of you, you think about your marriages and you're just like, you're like, yeah, I, you, you let it, you, you condemn yourself because you're not really happy with the state of your marriage. And so you look at your spouse, is it where they're supposed to be? You're not where you're supposed to be. It makes it really easy to dig up the dirt. You're just like, we gotta, we gotta make better decisions. We gotta get things right. You know, it's interesting to me when I read, when I read scripture and I read all the heroes of our faith, I think of people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I think about Moses and David. I just, I could go down a whole list of all these people in scripture and I look at their marriages and I'm just, it's infidelity, subjugation, like neglect. I mean, it's brutal. And so I, and I read that and I look at all oh, you, and it's like, you feel like you got problems in your marriage. You feel like it's not where it should be. And I just go, you know what? You got a biblical marriage. There you go. It's a biblical, there it is right there. 
It's playing out right in front of you. And, that, and that's the great thing about it. Your hope in this, like the hope for the condemnation that you're receiving in your life is not that you're going to do better. That's the condemnation part of it. It's that Jesus is your hero and he can come in and be the difference maker in your life. Here's the third place. Third place for condemnation that we get a lot of times is a demonic attack. This is real. And, it, and it's not this like, you know, it's, it's not the movie scene, a demonic attack. That's what we're talking about. You know, it, it, it's a voice. Could come from a person. Could come when you're all alone. You just, it's the voice in your head. It's this demonic attack. And it's a counterfeit voice is what it is. It's a counterfeit voice. See, the Holy Spirit will come to you too. And he'll lead you and he'll guide you. But the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit convicts. The enemy comes along and he condemns. And it's really important as a follower of Jesus to be able to discern between these two voices. What's the voice of condemnation? What's the voice of conviction? See, the voice of condemnation comes into your life and says, you are a bad Christian. You are a bad father. You are a bad parent and a bad spouse. You are not good at this. You are not going to win. You are going to fail. Like that's the voice of condemnation. It's very, it's very broad. It's this broad stroke. It's, it's got words like always and never. You never do it right. You'll always get it wrong. Like that's the voice of condemnation and the voice of conviction. The Holy Spirit comes in your life. It's a very specific voice. See, it doesn't look at you and go, Hey, by the way, you're a, you're a bad father. No, it says, it says, maybe, maybe tonight when you tuck your kids in, you should pray with them. Like that's a conviction moment. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. Hey, you know what? Tonight, later, later this weekend, you should take your wife out on a date. And I can enjoy yourself. It's like, oh, okay. Not, not, you'll always be a terrible husband. No, no, no. That's not it. That's not, that's not the voice of condemnation. You need to discern between that and the voice of conviction. Is that make, is that making sense? Is that good? Okay. Very good. Now, I, I, I think it is hard though. I will say this. I do think it's hard. Um, it is difficult. To discern between those because, because culturally, it's, it's, it's reinforced culturally, condemnation. In fact, I would even say it that way. We have a culture of condemnation. So it does make it very difficult to discern these. Which, by the way, that's the Holy Spirit. It can help you navigate through this. I think about different things in our culture that I would put in that, quali- that would qualify as a culture of condemnation. I think of, um, well, we've already kind of touched on it. It's like if you get out of line and you say the wrong things, Honestly, with today's technology, we can actually go back and find out things you said 10 and 20 plus years ago and still hold that against you. And then what happens? Well, everything you say from this point forward is no good. That's called cancel culture. And the cancel culture is a spirit of condemnation. That's a culture of condemnation. Here's another one that we don't talk about a lot. Critical theory. It's another aspect of a culture of condemnation. And it stands in contrast with traditional theory. And so here, here let, me, let me paint you a picture. Traditional theory looks at the past and it creates a spirit of, it produces humility and, and, and gratitude for a few reasons. One, we know that one day we're also going to have to stand under the microscope of history and be judged accordingly. So we approach it with a little humility. We approach it with a little bit of gratitude for the, because we hope that the future can be better. And critical theory comes along and it produces, it produces a spirit of, of arrogance and pride. You see, one's built on construction and hope for your future. The other one's built on destruction and contempt for the past. Listen, one's a spirit and a culture of condemnation. One's not. You need to be able to discern between the two. All right, here we go. Jesus, Jesus has lived this spirit-filled life. He's filled with the spirit. He's living a life for you. 
And this is our next point. The Holy Spirit, that same spirit that lived in him, now lives in you too. The Holy Spirit lives in you. This is John 16, verse 7. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. What an incredible thing. You know his disciples did not understand that. Like, it's better, Jesus, that you're, that you're absent. But he knew he was preparing them for something. He knew something they didn't. Now, I love this. This is, this is part of Peter's first sermon in Acts chapter 2. And this is what he said in verse 38. He says, we're in, he says, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. I love this because that promise is for you and for me. That's for us. Like we're included in that. All you have to do is simply ask. And by the way, it's more than just information. It's, it's this empowerment to be able to tell others about Christ, to be able to, to tell others about what he has done for you. This is the, 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 the role of the Holy Spirit. And I think a lot of us, we, we get these, we have all these preconceptions, these, these misleading ideas about who the Holy Spirit is. And we forget he's a person. Like he's a person. He's not an it. He's not that, he's not, he's not that over there or it over there. He's not that. For all my, all my charismatic, you know, friends out there that like to say, he's the Holy Ghost and they gotta like get that voice down. It's like he's the Holy Ghost, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like he's not the ghost. He's not a dove. Like that's not, no, he's a person. In fact, he's the third person of the Trinity. He's been eternally existing with God the Father and God the Son for all of eternity, dwelling in perfect relationship one with one another. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, I love this, John 14. See, Jesus, you know his disciples, it's to our advantage that you're going away. That's, that doesn't make any sense. You're going to be gone. And so Jesus wants to prepare his disciples to receive this Holy Spirit that he's going to be sending to them. And so here he is, he's saying, he, here's what he's really teaching. He's teaching them, he's ex- helping them to understand, you're going to be experiencing the presence of God every day. That's what he's preparing them for in this moment. Here it is, John 14, verse 15. It says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Now, I'm going to take a pause real quick because I, this, this, this first phrase, believe it or not, there's all kinds of debate out there and people like to ask this question. It's like, well, if you love me, it's, it should say you will obey my commandments. And people go, see, that's how we know whether you're a real follower of Jesus because that, that'll tell us. And then, the, and then there's another group and they go, no, 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 if you love me, you should obey my commandments. Because we recognize, you know, we're not going to get it right every time. And people have all these really strong convictions behind this. And so let me, I'm going to solve it. Can I just solve it? I'm going to solve it right now for you. We'll settle it. Here it is. So if you love me, uh, you will obey my commandments. Yes. Uh, if you love me, you should obey my commandments. Yes. There we go. Yes. Okay. We can, we can be okay with both in this moment. Follow Jesus. Okay. If you love me, obey my commandments. Verse 16. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. I love that word advocate. Like he helps you. He helps you. It isn't, I know sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, 
We get these like super mystical, super spiritual moments. We, we qualify our worship experiences. We, we qualify our, our prayer, our private prayer time by like, am I feeling a tingle down my back? Is the spirit of God here? And we're looking for all these things to tell us, oh, it's the spirit. And he's telling us the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your advocate. He's on your team. That's what that means. Like, he's cheering for you. He wants you to win. He's on your side. He's advocating for you. The, the other night, my wife and I, it was, I don't know what time it was. It had to have been 2 in the morning, 2 or 3 in the morning. And uh, we're laying there, and then my, my, my daughter comes in the room, and she's like, she's not feeling very well. And uh, so I just said, hey, come on, you can lay down with me for, for a few minutes. And so she lays down, and then and um, out of nowhere, Bethany sits up and she's like, you need to go in the other room. Go ahead and grab a bucket and go lay on the couch. I was like, okay. So she did. Praise God she did because less than two minutes later, that girl was like throwing up in that bucket. Man, I could have been sleeping in there, y'all. Praise God. (laughs) Holy smokes. You know what that was? That was a Holy Spirit moment. That's the Holy Spirit. I know it. And it's like, oh, that, that can't be the Holy Spirit. That's not spiritual enough. Oh, yeah, it is. He's your advocate. He's helping you. He's helping us. Amen. He keeps on going. He says, he's the advocate who will never leave you. Boy, isn't that encouraging? Don't believe the lie that you're alone. Don't believe the lie that you're lonely. Nobody's in it with you. Nobody sees you. That's a lie. That's a lie. He's the one that never leaves you. He says he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. He's the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth in a culture of lies and in a culture of condemnation and a culture of confusion, whether it's the news or whether it's casual conversation at work, in, a, in, a, in that kind of climate, he is the spirit of truth. It says the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. I have a friend of mine that when we encourage, we encourage each other on and off. We'll, we'll, we'll call each other. I visit him every now and then. And, and, uh, we just have this way of encouraging each other, just building each other's faith up. And, and, uh, he has this thing he always says to me. If I'm feeling down or I'm a little discouraged, something didn't quite go the way I was hoping. None of y'all know what I'm talking about about that, right? Yeah. Things aren't going the way you're hoping sometimes. And he always says the same thing to me. He's like, man, we got the Holy Spirit. It's the unfair advantage is what he calls him. He says the Holy Spirit, he's the unfair advantage in your life. And it doesn't mean that life's always up and to the right all the time. It's like, everything's going to go my way from this point forward. No, 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 no. It means in those circumstances when the world looks at it and goes, hey, you have every reason to be discouraged. You have every reason to be angry. You have every reason to not be faithful. You have every reason to live your life in contrary to the word of God. And yet, yet we don't. Why? Because I got an unfair advantage. I still got my joy. I still, I'm still encouraged. I'm still faithful. I'm, I'm still, I'm still maintaining my relationship with my wife and I can still spend time with my kids and and I can still go home and leave all that stuff at, at work and I can go home and bring my best. Why? Because I got an unfair advantage. That's why. Holy Spirit can empower me to live that kind of life. He says, but you know him because he lives with you now and with you now and later he'll be in you. He lives with us. And in us. You skip down verse 25, John 14, verse 25, it says this I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. He's preparing them in this moment to to experience the presence of God. And, And we're reading it right now. And he's preparing you too. 
Like he's preparing all of us. He's preparing us in this moment right now to live in, and experience the presence of God. And he says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. He teaches us and reminds us. Listen, you don't got to go to seminary to understand the word of God. Like the Holy Spirit can bring people and he can teach you and he can guide you. And then he can help you remember the things that you've been taught, the things that you've learned, the things that you've read. Like that's what the Holy Spirit can do for you. Verse 27, I am leaving you with a gift, a peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Man, the Holy Spirit, he's our helper, our defender, our counselor. He, he'll be with us and in us forever. He lives with us and in us. He teaches us all things. He reminds us of all things, all the things that he taught us. And if you feel like, well, the Holy Spirit, it's a little bit weird. This is what I would say. What's so weird about that? Like, what's weird about that? Like, yes, we're not alone. Like, we got that sort of advantage in our life. And praise God that we do. Because if you're like me, I need that. I need that. Come on, dad's in the room for father's. We need that. Yes, that's right. Very good. Romans 8, 511 says this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that Holy Spirit dwelling in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Here's what that means. Here's what this means. It means that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that filled Jesus lives in you. And it means this, that you've now been made new. You've been made for new and for perfect in Jesus Christ. So that means that your relationships in your life, like these things can now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, your relationships can now be renewed. Like Christ is in you, you're his. Like your mind, the things that occupy your, your mind, you're no longer, your, your nature, your true nature, your mind is no longer built toward the things of the flesh, but toward the things of the spirit. Like it can be made new. Your nature, it's not one after the flesh, it's one after the spirit. Your desires. Listen, you don't have to live with the same desires moving forward as a follower of Jesus. You can be made new. He can transform even the things that you desire in your life. I think sometimes we look at the life of Jesus and we look at this idea, okay, I'm going to follow Christ. And he lays out this way and he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And we're like, I I get it. It sounds good, but the way part sounds kind of hard. I'm not sure I can do that. And what you, you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit comes along and says, actually, you've got a new power. You've got a new power. You can live a life that's in submission to the things in the way of Jesus Christ. You can do that now. The Holy Spirit, you've been made new, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, your life. Listen, you may not always get things right, but now you have the righteousness of Christ on your side, like you're in Christ now, and you have a new destiny. You're not destined for death. You're destined for life. Amen? Let me, I'm going to sum up the Holy Spirit. I'm going to sum it all up in this moment right here. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Every one of us can overcome the temptation to sin. Every one of us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can become more like Jesus. We we can understand and apply Scripture. We can even pray over the sick and not be shocked when they're when when, if and when they're healed. Like that's what can happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can pray with those who are experiencing demonic demonic influence in their life, and we can see deliverance. 
It's like through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have joy that doesn't come from our circumstances. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can see lost people saved and saved people grow. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, church, we can go about our otherwise mundane days of our life and see the Spirit and the kingdom of God breaking in and breaking out of all of those everyday moments. That's what the Holy Spirit can do for you. Amen? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the last thing I'm going to wrap up with here. Here's Jesus, filled with the Spirit of God, comes and, and lives, lives life for you, for, for us, on our behalf. He lives, a, lives life for us. And then he, he left and he sent his Spirit to live in us. And now we live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we can live a life with the Father. The Father lives with us. We can have relationship and access to our Heavenly Father. This is Romans 8. We're going to continue in that scripture here. Romans 8, this is verse 14. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. See, in the ancient world, go to the ancient world, there was a devaluing of life, not quite unlike our culture we find ourselves in right now, too. There's this overall devaluing of life. And as a child... You didn't have any legal rights in the ancient world. You didn't have any legal protections. In fact, the father was law. The father was law. So if you were unwanted, you were illegitimate, maybe you were disabled, maybe you're a girl, whatever. Whatever it was, you could be essentially tossed out onto the garbage heap and you were, you were available to either be abused, to die, Somebody could take you in as a, as some form of a slave, maybe make you into a soldier. I mean, there, there's all kinds of opportunities. And, and see, if, if that was you and that's where you found yourself in the ancient world, you only had one hope. And your hope was that if you were put out there, neglected and unwanted, your only hope was that a new father would come into your life. That was your hope. A new father would come in and take me in. That was your hope. That was your hope. And I think about this, I, I, I want you to just envision that with me. I want you to envision what that looks like to be abused. What, what would that mean to be abused, to be disowned, to be hopeless like that, to be discarded and tossed out for something I couldn't help, just to, to be devalued to that extent. And in that moment, I just want you to see yourself. Because it's, it's in that moment that God looked down and he said, I'm going to send my son to live for you. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to empower you so that I can be your new father. That's what he did. That's what it comes back to. He's your father, and I love it for Father's Day. And I love our dads, and I, and I look around, I'm so, proud of the, I'm so proud of the men in our church because, you know what, there's a lot of churches out there and a lot of people out there where, you know what, their, their churches are full of ladies. And I love the ladies, and don't, don't get me wrong. It's like, I pre, I'm glad, but, let, but hear me out. Hear me out. There's something missing. We need men to lead the way in their homes. 
fathers to lead their children, husbands to lead their families. Like that's, we need that. We need that. I'm so proud of our church because I look around and I see men. First service too, I look around and just see these men. I love that. Love that. I'm so encouraged. And I love that we got this day, this Father's Day, and, and it's worth celebrating dads. Because, you know, as a dad, we, we put, our, we put our, our desires. A lot of times we put our own dreams on the back burner. Moms, you do the same thing. We do this as parents. We put our desires and our stuff on the back burner for the good of our family, for the good of others, to provide and to care for our kids. We do that. We inconvenience ourselves for those things. And that's worth celebrating. But I can't think of a better father to celebrate. There is none better. The perfect example. The one who literally, he led the way by giving it all. He led the way by giving it all. He sent his own son to rescue you, to send you a spirit of adoption so that you and I could be his. That's our father. What a, what a powerful truth. Father God, I just pray right now in this moment. Let that sink in. Help us to get a hold of that. We're celebrating dads, and we're so happy to, and we're so grateful for all of our dads. But we're most grateful for the greatest dad, our heavenly father, for you leading the way, adopting us, calling us your own. You loved us so much. You sent your son, Christ Jesus, to, to come and live life for us. And then you gave us your Holy Spirit so that we could live an empowered life in relationship with you. Help us to not take that for granted or to take that lightly. Thank you. Thank you.